Thank you, Jesus. Well, happy Father's Day. I want to say that right now. Um, I, I got something really special this morning. Actually, I got two things really special this morning. I, I, I got some new socks. They're, they're pretty cool. And I, I thought that was pretty cool because they're from my daughter who's not a Collingwood supporter. And uh, I, I should just let you know that the last time I game, watched a game of football was at least two years ago. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but... Um, and the other great thing I got this morning was I got a, a, a card, a Father's Day card. And it said, I can't remember the exact wording, I remember one part, it said, I love you, Dad. Um, um, and something about, you're the second best daddy in the world. <laughs> and I thought, wow, what an awesome card. I'm going to treasure that card, I think, because I'm so glad I have a, a, a daughter who knows that there's a greater daddy than me, because <laughs> I fail sometimes, I mess up, but she knows she's got a father in heaven who cares for us. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you would help us to see that this morning, God, that we have a daddy in heaven who cares for us more than we could ever know. Thank you, Lord. I'm just so aware that uh, people said to me, you can never understand God's father heart until you become a father. I was like, oh yeah, I know what it's like. I was like, I've, I've got a dad. I know what he's like. <laughs> but then you become a dad and you're like, wow, the love I have for my kids. We can't explain it, can we? Anyway, thank you, Lord. Just to change tracks altogether. Have you ever borrowed something off someone? Maybe a CD. Someone said, oh, you've got to listen to this CD. And then you've lost it. <laughs> Maybe you've borrowed books from the library and then... Uh, a month goes by or however many days it is, you have to take it back and you go, oh no, where's that book? And then you know you cannot show your face in the library until you find it. Or maybe there's some other thing that someone's lent you and, and, and you've searched everywhere, you've looked in every place five times and it is now officially gone. It's, it no longer exists, it, it cannot because it's not there, it just isn't there. Does anyone know that feeling? Where you, you know that that thing has just become nothing. It's not there. It doesn't exist anymore. Because you've looked everywhere and it can't exist. Well, the other day, we, we didn't lose something, but I came home the other day and uh, I, I saw this thing that we, we have been lent as a family. And any of you who have lent us things are now going, gee, what did we lend them? Um, <laughs> and this thing is it's quite a... a, a valuable item and uh, it's worth a lot of money and I've walked inside, I've been doing a few things, I've looked around, I've seen this thing and I've just gone, oh no, this is not good. <laughs> this thing is broken and I cannot repair it. I'm thinking, oh dear. And you know that feeling when your stomach just sinks and you think, oh no, I'm going to have to explain this and I can explain right now that it's no one here, so you're fine. Um, <laughs> I still haven't spoken to that person, but uh, <laughs> um, it was quite a valuable item, and, and I had that feeling of thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? I've actually heard of people that, um, I'm sure this is none of us, but sometimes people have things happen, they lose something that belongs to someone else, they break something that belongs to someone else, and they cut off their whole relationship, their friendship, because they're afraid of the response, the reaction that's going to happen when they find out. And you might have even had that moment where you see someone and you know, oh no, they're going to ask me about that thing. And you think, 
I'm running that way because they're coming after me. <laughs> Maybe no one wants to admit that. Um, but we can fear when we know we owe something. Does anyone remember that ad on TV a few years ago that um, uh, the, the ad, ad starts and I think it's a, like a young guy walks through the door and I think he's got like a big sports bag. It's like a, his big cricket bag. Could have had his bats and stuff in it. He walks in the door and he turns around to shut the door and as he turns around, is anyone picturing yet, the bag swings out and it hits the, the big statue vase or lamp or whatever it is and it just goes, you know, it just shatters all over the floor. And the boy's just like, oh no, what, am I gonna, what have I done? Mum's going to kill me. And anyway, he does the only thing you do when you're looking for something. He gets the yellow pages <laughs> before Google. Um, and uh, he gets the yellow pages out and he starts going through these antique stores and he rings up and it's like, it's, it's like this lady and it's got this hand, it's got this thing on it. And finally he finds his antique store and they've got the same one. And somehow he gets it express delivered to the house and it arrives and he puts it up and he like, adjusts it so it's just right. It's exactly the same. And it, he puts it there. And I, can just, I, I can't remember exactly, but it's like he just sits down and goes, oh, I shall continue to live. And as he's sitting there, he, he hears his mum come home and he's, he's, sort of, he's, he's got that pride within him. He knows he can't say, but he's just like, I am such a good son. <laughs> and then the, the mum comes home and she w- walks in, she opens the door, she spins around and shut the door and her bag spins out behind her and the statue goes, and the son's kind of like, no, mum, what have you done? Do you know what I've been through? Do you understand the pain, the agony? And the mum sort of looks at it and looks at the son and just goes, oh, well, never really liked that anyway. And... <laughs> Does anyone remember the ad? Yeah, it was a few of you, fantastic. Well, this morning, this Father's Day, I believe God wants us to know that God doesn't care about the vase. God doesn't care about the smashed bits of pieces lying on all over the floor. He doesn't care about that thing that you've done. He cares about you. He's not the angry mum that's coming home to destroy you because you've broken her vase. He is not that kind of God. He doesn't care if you say vase or vase. He doesn't care what sphere of life you come from. He doesn't care where you've been, what job you have, what you do. He cares about you. He cares about who you are. He cares about how you are when the vase is smashed all over the floor. He cares about you he knows you he knows my brokenness he knows your brokenness and he still cares about you he sees the broken world we live in and his heart breaks but he cares about you he cares about you and he's calling you to come to him i want us to open our bibles to galatians chapter 4 this morning We're going to have a look at a a few different parts of Galatians 4 this morning. We're not going to read the whole thing, because I decided it was going to take me about five hours. But uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. It says, God sent him, and him being Jesus. God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so so that he could adopt us 
as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Imagine for a moment that you're a business owner. You're running a business and, and you, you meet this person and you think, wow, this person is incredible. This person is the answer to all my problems. They can do this, they can do that, they can fix this for me, they can do that. If I get this person in my business, life shall be good. <laughs> and, and as this, you, you see this person, you think, right, I don't care what it costs me to employ that person, but I'm going to get them in my business. I'm, I'm just going to pay whatever it takes because if I, if I get them involved, it's all just going to work out. But then just imagine you, you go, to, go to see this person, you go to offer this person a job to get them on your team and you go to see them, but as you arrive, you find out that this person has uh, committed some crime and they're now in prison. And it doesn't matter how much you're willing to pay them. It doesn't matter what you're willing to offer them. You cannot employ them. It's physically impossible. They, they, they are not going to let him out of prison. He's a prisoner and he cannot come and serve in your business no matter what you would give to have him there because he's a prisoner. And now you, you might still want him in your, in your business but until he's paid the penalty for his crime, he's staying there. Now, unless maybe he's got like a, a million dollar bail and, and you've got a million dollars lying around, and you think, yep, I'm just going to go and pay his, 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 the penalty for his crime, and then he's free. You can then employ him if he'll come and work for you. Hopefully, if you pay a million dollars to get him out, he might sort of have some sympathy. But you know what? Galatians 4 that says that God sent him, Jesus, to buy freedom for us. You see, God wants us to become a part of his family. He wants us to be his children. But you know what? The truth is that we're prisoners. We're slaves of sin. We're, we're, our master is, is sin. We're, we're, we're prisoners of sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The punishment for, for, for sin is, is death and it's slavery to sin. It's separation from God. It's to be cut off from God. And God couldn't just adopt us as children while we're slaves to sin because we're under a different master. But Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sin. He, he paid our debt. He died a criminal's death upon the cross so that we could be released from our old slave master of sin and we're now free to come and be his children. It says, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord in Romans 6.23. We were slaves, but he freed us so that he could adopt us into his family, that we would become his very own children. Think about being adopted for a moment. Think about 
the process. A parent chooses to adopt a child. It's a choice. It's a conscious decision that God has chosen to adopt us. And as a parent chooses to adopt a child, I wonder if it's possible, I think it is, that even though a child's adopted by parents, sometimes, possibly, a child doesn't adopt the parents. That even though that, that they are as much a son and daughter of, that, of those parents as any other son or daughter, that they don't believe that they have the same standing with their parents as another son or daughter? Do you think it's possible that maybe they think, you don't love me the same as some other child is loved by their parent? It's possible. And even as someone is adopted, they can choose to not adopt their parents and, and separate themselves from their parents. Even non-adopted children can do that. They can run away. They cannot realize what they have in their parents choosing them. And the same is true for us and God. We cannot realize what we have. We cannot understand the fullness of his love for us. We cannot understand that it is the most amazing love that he has for us, that nothing will separate us from his love. Listen to what Paul goes on to say in Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you, with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Paul saying, I was, the, I was the most passionate Jew. I did everything that had to be done. I obeyed all the laws, all the commands, and yet, you know what? It's pointless without Christ. It's faith in Him that saves us. It's recognizing that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin that gives us life. It's that that gives us freedom, not doing these things. So many people hear about Jesus, they know about Jesus, they know the, the Christmas story, the Easter story, but they go on trying to earn God's favor by doing things to please God. They might even go to church to try and please God and earn his favor, and maybe then he'll bless me if I do these things. Maybe if I pray, God will reward me and bless me, and, and that, maybe that's how I enter heaven, by doing more good things than bad things. When God's plan is that we, we, we would do kind things, we would go to church, we would do those things, but with a sense of freedom and joy and not out of obligation and a feeling like if we don't do this, we're dead meat. If we don't replace that vase, we're stuffed. If I don't go to church, I'm in trouble. God wants us to come to church. He wants us to be kind. He wants us to, to do good deeds, to have acts of love and, and generosity towards one another. But it's out of a heart of thankfulness. He wants us to sing worship and praises to God, but he doesn't want us to do it thinking, oh, if I declare this, maybe God will forgive me. He wants us to come and say, God, you're an awesome God and you reign. 
And I thank you that even though you created all things, you still love me. He, he wants us to sing and, and to, to live out of a life, a heart of thankfulness and, and a knowledge of the freedom that we have in Christ. Amen. I'm encouraged. <laughs> hope you are. <laughs> when we forget what Jesus has done, what's meant to be a joy becomes a chore. If what you're doing feels like a chore, ask yourself, am I truly remembering what Jesus has done for me? It's like, I wonder if you've ever had a, a moment when you've, you've had that moment and you thought, I am going to be a wonderful person. I am going to do the washing without being asked. Actually, as I say that, I'm just thinking, I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> I'm confessing right now. <laughs> oh dear. Um, <laughs> why did I let that come out of my mouth? <laughs> Maybe you have that moment and you say, I'm going to go and mow the lawn without being asked. Rochelle has done that. I'm going to go and wash the dishes without being asked. I'm going to go and do that wonderful thing and I'm going to do it simply because I love you. Your, your mum, your dad, your wife, your husband. And you, you just go with such a, I am such a good person feeling. And then as you're on the way to do it, you hear someone yell out from the other end of the house, would you hurry up and go and mow the lawn? Or would you hurry up and go and do the dishes? Could you please come outside and help me with the washing? And suddenly that fear of going, I am a wonderful person. I'm going to do this with joy just because I love you, turns to, I was going to, but now I'm going to, but not because I love you, because you told me to. Has anyone felt that? I know you don't have to admit it. Lord, please, just give us gracious hearts, Lord. You know when... Moses went back to Egypt when God sent him back and said, I want you to go and go before Pharaoh. He didn't go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go so that they can go to the promised land. He didn't say that. That's not what God told him to say. God says to him, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go so they can come and worship me. It wasn't even go and tell Pharaoh, go and Tell, tell them to let my people go so they can enter the promised land and worship me. He says, tell Pharaoh, go, uh, let my people go so they can come and worship me in the desert. Now to me that seems strange. You sort of think, well, why didn't you say, tell Pharaoh to let my people go so they can go to the promised land and worship me? But you know what, I think... A lot of people can worship God in the promised land. A lot of people can worship God while things are going well and life's good and we've got amazing blessings and, and things are easy and, and it's just nice and we're saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, you're good. But I think only people who truly know God's goodness, who know his grace, his mercy, who truly know who he is, can worship God in the desert. And I think God spoke those words exactly as he meant them. Let my people go so they can come and worship me in the desert. It wasn't just about getting to the promised land. It wasn't just about getting to Mount Sinai and, and hearing the commands of God. God wanted the people to know him first. 
That was his greatest desire, that the people would know him. And if they could worship him in the desert, then maybe, just maybe, no matter what they go through in life, that they will know who God is and they will, they will have strength in their God, that they will give glory to the world around them because they trust in God even through the storms and the desert times. The greatest blessing wasn't the promised land. The greatest blessing was to know their God. In Galatians chapter 4, finally, he says in that passage, in verse 6, actually, if we can just put verse 6 up again. Sorry, I'm skipping around all over the place, Laura. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. You know, through the book of Galatians, from chapter, I think it's halfway through chapter 4, the last part of Galatians, the Holy Spirit is mentioned about 24 times. Because it is all about Christ is the one who, who sets us free. But it's not just about having us be set free. It's about us being adopted and being filled with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just set us free from being slaves and then say, be gone with you, go and do your own thing. He says, I've set you free and I want to adopt you. I want to fill your life with my spirit. I want to live in you. I want to have relationship with you. I want to do life with you. That's what the message of Galatians is all about. The same power that raised Christ from the dead has been given to you. If you know Jesus as your Savior, if you've asked God for forgiveness for your sins and invite him to be your God and King, God sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead has been given to us. Think about a king for the moment. A king who's walking down the street. Maybe we don't have slaves in our world. So picture some world where there's slaves that are, well, I I, I saw that nod and thought, yeah, we do. (laughs) That's true. I want to acknowledge that. But think of a king. He's walking down the street and he sees this slave boy and his heart just goes out to him. And he, he chooses to, to buy freedom for this slave boy. But not only does he buy his freedom, he, he brings him back to the palace. And, you know, he, he could say to him, you know what, boy, I, I bought your freedom and I've set you free. Now never bother me again. You can live in my palace, but I never want to see you. I don't ever have to hear you speaking. I don't ever have to put up with you breaking things. It's like you can live here, but don't annoy me. He, he could do that. He has every right. He he bought his freedom. But that is not what God is like. God, God, like a king who sees someone who's in slavery, who buys their their freedom and then says, come, live in my kingdom. He says, you know what, what, what's mine is yours. You are a part of my family. You are my son. You are my daughter. And and I just, I want you to do life with me. I want you to come and sit with me and, and, and eat together. I want you to come and, and, and day by day to, to tell me how things are going, to tell me your struggles, to, to let me be a support through to you th- through the rest of your life. That is what God is like. God is a loving Father who had, has a chosen to adopt you into his family. And not only that, he's given you his power. He's given you his spirit. In some parts of the Bible, it talks about the Holy Spirit being like a seal in our lives. We have the seal of the King. We have authority to say, 
God has set me free, we can pray, we can declare, we can, we can pray over one another, and we can declare sickness to be gone, we can declare healing, we can, we can pray over one another with authority because we know we are children of the King. We have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living in us. Do you recognize it? Because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, Father, dear Father, Daddy. He wants us to be in relationship with Him. He doesn't just want us to be set free and then be distant. He wants us to do life with Him. He wants us to cry out, Daddy, Abba, Father, God, thank you for your love. You are the best daddy in the world. He wants us to, to cry out to him and thank him for the things that he's given us. He wants us to, to talk to him when we're going through things and struggling. He wants us to talk about our day and just to do life with him. He doesn't want us to be distant thinking maybe he's still angry about the vase. Maybe he's still angry about that thing I did last week. Maybe he's forgiven me but he really can't stand me. He loves you. He's chosen you. He sent His Spirit to fill you. And He loves you and wants to do life with you. I say, Dads, let's do everything we can to be like our Father in Heaven. To be fathers like our Father in Heaven. That, that just offer love and acceptance no matter what. Uh, I... I'm so aware that I am not the perfect dad. I, I get angry sometimes. I get frustrated sometimes. Um, but the other day I listened to a podcast and I, I was really encouraged about something he was saying and I thought, I'm going to try and do that. And I got home and, and I was on a bike ride and I got home and sure enough, throughout the rest of the day, there was something that happened which did not make me very happy. But rather than getting cross, rather than upset me, I, I called that particular child over to me and I said, you know what, you have an amazing passion for life. You have such a, a vibrancy, such a, a uh, what was the word I used? Um, I think it might, it might have been energetic. No, it wasn't that. Um, anyway, I, I, I spoke what I saw because uh, it's, it's a strength. But I said, right now, I would like you to try and just contain that for a moment. I'd like you, it would help me a lot if you could not do it quite like that at this time. It's a great thing that you have a passion for life and an enthousi enthusiasm, that was the word. And she was being very enthusiastic, I just gave away who it was, um, <laughs> if you notice the subtlety of that word. Um, but I said, please, could you just not do that right now? And you know what, she smiled at me and she said, okay, Dad, that went off and and did what I asked. I thought, wow, this works. <laughs> but let's not ever, ever let our children, and you know what, let's never let each other think that our acceptance, our, our love is based on the things that they do, on what each other does. Let's love no matter what. And let's show that we love people no matter who they are or what they've done. That they don't have to try and gain our approval they don't have to try and find acceptance somewhere, but they know that they've got our love. They know that they've got our acceptance, no matter who they are. Church, let's do that for our kids, our, our, our kids as a church, and for one another. Galatians goes on to say, in verse 7, 
Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. We're co-heirs with Christ. I don't think we can ever fully understand what that means, but we are co-heirs with Christ. We have an inheritance in eternity. I heard a testimony a while ago about a guy who, who got saved and, and he was just so joyful that God would love him enough to, that Jesus died on the cross for his sin. But he didn't fully get it all completely. He had some background in other things and he was so excited about having life with God. But he didn't even realize that there was life after death. There was, he just sort of thought, well, we just live, we, we die, that's it. And he's like, but Jesus died for me, and now I do life every day knowing the creator of the universe is, is, is helping me. It's like, this is amazing. And then he kind of got the greatest set of steak knives ever, or the bonus extra. He's like, not only do I get to do life with God, you're telling me that I actually get to spend eternity with him? That's crazy! <laughs> and he's just blown away. He's thinking life with God was amazing, but eternity... And that just blew his mind. He's like, I, I, I not only have life with God, but I have an inheritance in eternity with him. And he had a revelation of what God had for him that blew him away. I wonder, have you had that revelation of what God has done for you? Sorry, I've completely lost my place. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We can make our lives about all kinds of things. We can make our lives about trying to make up for the broken pieces we've caused. We can try and make our lives about trying to gain God's forgiveness for the, the broken vase. Or we can even just live our lives trying to seek God's blessing, trying to do things that will make God bless us. And we cannot realize that God has already done everything that needed to be done, that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because of Jesus Christ. Someone's going to continue on on that next week, talking about the blessings we have in Christ. We can come to church because we think we might be in trouble if we don't. You won't be. Um, if, if I ever call you and say, hey, we've missed you, it isn't because you're in trouble. It's because we love you and we miss you. <laughs> I always find that hard because like, I know people feel like they're getting chased sometimes, but we, we love you and we want to see how you're doing. but we miss out on enjoying him. When we come, when we're worried, when we're fearful of what God is thinking of us, we, we miss out on the blessing of knowing that we are his children. And God wants us to be sure and to know that you are his child. He has chosen you. He's adopted you. You are fully his. You know that expensive thing I talked about, our family that we borrowed? And I was so shattered because it was destroyed beyond repair. I actually found out it wasn't broken at all. It just needed a little tweak. And it was as good as new. <laughs> I got so anxious about this thing that was broken. I got so worried and thinking, oh, what am I going to do? Only to find out I had nothing to worry about. And God would say to you, what are you worried about today? What are you fearful about today? What is it that you're trying to hide today? You don't have to be afraid because it's already been paid for. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin 
that we are free and we are free indeed. You might feel unworthy, but he has paid your debt. He has made you worthy. Let me finish by reading to you from Romans chapter 8. Actually, would you be able to find that really quickly? Romans chapter 8. I'll ask the band if they'd come. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. These guys are just trying to work out what song they're doing, aren't they? Yeah. What were you thinking, Sam? (laughs) I reckon God is able, maybe, or you can choose. Sorry. I'm just distracted. They were talking, and I was like, ah. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We are no longer prisoners. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. If we just can skip down to verse, verse 31. It says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He is sitting in the place of of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in in danger? Or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is our Daddy in heaven. Can we stand this morning? I'd just love to pray for you. And we're going to sing. Not because we have to, but because we can. Well, God, I just thank you that we can know you. That, Lord Jesus, we can read your word and we can hear what you have done for us. That, God, we can know that you have adopted us into your family. That, Lord, you have dealt with sin completely. That, Lord, our brokenness has been paid for. That, Lord Jesus, we can do life with you. And not only that, but you have an inheritance for us in heaven. That, Lord, no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that nothing will ever separate us from your love. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would just lead us out. You would lead us out from whatever captivity we might have right now. That Lord, we would just worship you. 
that we would be able to worship you, whether we're in the desert or the promised land. But Lord God, we would know that you are our Father in heaven and you care for us. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like someone just to pray with you, just that you would really know and sense his love, please come as we sing. But let's stand and let's sing. Let's declare who he is and what he's done for us.